This is the Fatty Joe Show, coming to you from Casa de Cary, deep in the forests of Nutmegerville. This show is dedicated to exploring pathways to better health from a holistic perspective. In each episode, we will explore such topics as nutrition, mental and emotional health, fitness, and more. I'm Yogi, your host, and I became interested in studying health after conventional health dogma became damaging and led me to become massively overweight. Against modern convention, I went on a keto lifestyle and I lost over 300 pounds and gained a level of control on my personal health that I never had before. Now I'm on a journey to find out what is myth and what is truth in the ever convoluted world of what is considered healthy. Come join me on a journey of discovery as I look for a path to improve total health. If you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash the fatty Joe show or patreon.com slash Carrie Brown. If you want to check out all of our social media links and recipes, head to carriebrown.com. Don't forget to leave a comment, like, and subscribe to the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Fatty Joe Show. I'm uh, the incredibly shrinking big yogi, thanks to the ketogenic diet, and I'm coming to you from the Nutmegger Forest deep in Carryville. Uh, this is a Carrie Brown production, and today we are doing a Coach's Corner episode with Ben Azadi. I listened to Ben Azadi quite a bit when I discovered him on my truck the last couple of years of trucking, and I really love his science-based approach to nutrition and his approach to mindset and getting your 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 why right, getting your your focus on your motivation and everything going which is a key component to any healthy lifestyle. You have to have your mindset right in order for your lifestyle, your healthy lifestyle to be sustainable. And that includes any kind of healthy lifestyle you're trying to do, whether it's nutrition, whether it's finances or anything. So I want to welcome Ben Azadi to the show. I'm super grateful to be here with you, Yogi. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you, sir. And Ben, like I said before the show, you're one of our first guests, you know, among our earliest guests, guest number four. So it's really cool that we got to get you on. I'm grateful to be one of the first. So thank you. Thank you. So you've been in the health and nutrition world for, for a while, and you actually started out as being a person who was not the healthiest in the first place yourself. Uh, you you fought obesity, being overweight, and uh, as well as some mindset issues, and uh, with your background, possibly some cultural issues that affected you. Uh, the like many people coming from certain cultural areas that affect your nutritional choices and things like that, right? Yeah, yeah. My parents immigrated here from Iran in the '70s, and I was pretty much left to my own devices, eating a standard American diet, aka a stupid American diet, which manifested yeah. in this obese kid growing up yeah so how how big of a kid did you get to be well i i got over uh 250 pounds uh so i, I was a tall kid i'm a tall guy six foot two and a half so i i carry it well but uh i knew that i was unhealthy i knew that i was not confident and i was just not the life i wanted to live when it came to my health and energy 
Yeah. And, and what, what got you, what was the first approach that you did to get yourself in a healthier uh, lifestyle? Well, life smacked me in the face <laughs> by hitting rock bottom. So I actually used rock bottom as a springboard to launch into uh, my health because I found myself at the age of 24 years old back in 2008 being depressed, uh, going through a breakup with my ex-girlfriend who, who broke up with me, and I was addicted to video games. I was one of the best, actually, uh, Madden and Call of Duty video game players in the world. I would win tournaments, and I would be... I would go beast mode online on those video games. And those were my highest values at the time. So being devastated from my ex-girlfriend who broke up with me, I was uh, suicidal. I, I was actually oh, man. on the internet several times looking for ways to end my life because I was tired of the pain. Uh, and I would think about my, my mom, who I, I just love so much. It was my superhero. And I didn't want to do that to her. So it stopped me. So this was a rock bottom for me. And this is the point of my life, Yogi, that I actually started to read books for the first time in my life. I read Wayne Dyer and Bob Proctor and Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins, and it just helped me take ownership for the first time in my life over my circumstances. I finally became a victor of my future and I stopped being a victim of my past. And you fast forward nine months from that moment of taking responsibility. I went from 250 pounds down to 170 pounds. I went from 34% body fat down to 6% body fat, size 38 waist to size 30, physical six pack for the first time in my life. But the most important stat here is that I carved out a mental six pack and I will take that over a physical six pack any day of the week. And that's what started my journey in the health space. That's awesome, man. You know, it, it really is powerful how we see ourselves and, and it can affect our mood and um, our ability to relate to others. And if we don't see ourselves um, as having worth because we're overweight and we don't like what we see in the mirror, that physical representation can often become our, our mental state in, in many ways and you sound like you you had that and then you got really kicked out of it because of of just finding a good why that's right you, you said it you know when you're when your why is strong the how becomes easier uh, i've learned from jim Rohn: reasons before results reasons before results so somebody watching or listening right now, you, you know, why do you want to lose 20 pounds? Why do you want to lose 100 pounds? Why do you want to lose weight? Why do you want to be healthier? That is not your why. Your why is beneath layers of that. So I would encourage your audience to dig into where that's showing up in your life. Is it showing up with your lack of confidence? Is it showing up with the fact that you have grandkids and Whenever your kids visit, you could only spend 15 minutes with them before you're exhausted. And you just want to be able to have the energy to have more time spent with your grandkids or your kids. Or maybe you go on vacation and you're hurting all the time and your husband wants to walk around, but you want to take a nap. That is your why. You want to have the energy. You want to have the vitality to be your truest version of yourself. Because here's the cold, hard truth, Yogi. Being unhealthy is the most unselfish, is the most selfish thing, excuse me, that we can do. Because not only are we robbing ourselves of our true personality, we are also robbing those around us of our true personality. Nobody gets your truest personality when you are unhealthy. 
Nobody gets that true person that you are born to be. You, there's greatness inside all of us. I truly believe that we're all masterpieces because we are a piece of the master. So once we can get clear on our why, once we get to understand how amazing this human body is, which is the world's greatest healer, this innate intelligence, there's no pill, there's no supplement, there's no diet, there's no surgery that could replace what we have within us. And it really starts with our thoughts. And it starts with being clear on your why, because when you walk into your kitchen and you, you see all these donuts and chips and things that are not aligned with your new goals to get healthy, if you're clear on your why, you're going to be much more likely to say no to that and stick with what you're committed to. So it's always reasons before results. In, in a lot of ways, I'm finding I have a similarities to what you were going through. I'm a big guy myself. I'm six foot six and I got up over 600 pounds. Wow. And yeah. And, um, I started keto because I heard how good it is for brain health. And I was worried about CTE. I played a lot of contact sports, but I'm imagining what my lifestyle was when I chose to go do keto was very similar to what you were doing when you were playing video games. We're very sedentary because I was a trucker, very sedentary for hours in at a time, focused on what's around you with kind of a tunnel vision, narrow area with, you know, I mean, everything that around you that relates to you, you're focused on, but I mean, you're just sitting there. And in, in the trucking field, as, as well as the video games, I mean, junk food is like king. Like, you know, guys, it's, it's common for the Mountain Dew, the energy drinks, the Cheetos, the, the sugar rush to keep you going with, this, with the candies and everything. And those are all very, along with being sedentary, which I think is an addictive thing itself, because it, it, generally human beings want the easy way out. And so along with being sedentary and having all this junk around you, which is very addictive, it's got to take a massive amount of uh, mental and emotional fortitude to get over that and decide I'm going to go to a nutrient-dense, healthy, whole real food diet. What was that like for you, that transition? Well, it sucked. <laughs> and I, I, I imagine you could relate when you started to go into ketosis. Uh, so when I started to eat healthier for the first time in my life and exercise for the first time in my life, it sucked, Yogi. I, I would be sore from workouts for days. I would go to parties and my friends would offer me beer and chips. And I would say no, because I was clear on my why. And they would make fun of me. And I, I couldn't really enjoy myself as much as I wanted to. And it sucked, right? But here's my formula for success. And I hope your audience could adopt this. Suck, 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 cess. Okay, we embrace the suck. You just keep pushing forward. And if you could just beat yesterday, which is our motto here at Keto Camp, to just beat yesterday, you're not competing against anybody else. Uh, Yogi's not competing against Ben. Ben's not competing against Yogi. I'm not competing against Carrie. We're not competing against anybody but the person we were yesterday. So have better thoughts today than you had yesterday. Do a little bit more today, move a little bit more today than you did yesterday. If you could just continuously beat yesterday and embrace the suck, lean into the suck, you are going to get all the results you want in life. And I don't just mean health. You're going to get all the results you want in all areas of life. It's really that straightforward. It's those areas that suck that we need to lean into 
And I realize that when I have a decision to make and it scares the crap out of me, Yogi, I, I know that that's the right decision to make. So if you're thinking about doing keto, maybe you're thinking about doing a fast, a 24-hour fast, and it scares you, it might be what you, you need to lean into and embrace that suck. Just know that your body is incredible. What we want to do is just remove the interference and let the body heal. So my formula, I hope you adopt it, is just embrace the suck, the suck, suck, success formula. Yeah, it, you know, it seems that nothing in life that's worth having doesn't involve a little sacrifice and pain to get in the first place. When you appreciate it anymore, and if you're going to get results on something, you know, you're going to have to be uncomfortable for a while. So yeah, that's, it, where, that, that's exactly it. It's, it's outside the comfort zone that we actually grow and expand because the truth is this. Nothing in, in life stays the same. Either you are creating or you are disintegrating. So I got to tell you this, S somebody, myself, I hope this inspires your audience, who was lost in life, right? Tiptoeing my way through life, hoping to land safely on death's door. Uh, no inspirations, no motivations, addicted to drugs, video games, the wrong environment, to now living on purpose with my purpose, to being inspired every single day, loving what I do, happy every single moment that I do it. If I could do that whole 180, you can do it too. You know, my favorite definition for success came from Earl Nightingale, and he said, success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. An ideal is an idea that you have fallen in love with, right? So maybe it is being keto adapted and being at your goal weight and having amazing energy levels, or it's your why, really. That's an ideal that you are in love with. And as long as you are working towards closing the gap between where you are now and your goal, you are successful. And yeah, there's going to be challenges and it's going to suck. Like I mentioned, there's going to be setbacks, but it's never about the setback. It's always about the get back. If you're clear on your why, you're going to see that everything is on the way not in the way. And that's how I'm able to actually feel so inspired every single day and feel lit up as I have my daily routine. I'm clear on my why and I align my daily activities with my why. So I encourage you to do that. Close the gap between where you are and where you want to be and you are going to be successful. Yeah. And you've carried on that success into, as you mentioned before, keto camp which is your, your podcast as well as your, your health business that you have brought up to be a very successful uh, program for getting people on a healthy lifestyle. And one of the things that I, I actually discovered you through your podcast, and one of the things that really impressed me is not only were you all about the science of nutrition and, and what you put in your body as far as, as food, the physical input, but you were very much about the spiritual and mental uh, side of things as well and getting people on the right mental track uh, uh, to, to get them healthier as well. How, how important was that for you to incorporate that into Keto Camp? Yeah, brother, it's, it's, it's everything, you know, because I've seen people do keto perfectly. Fasting schedule was on point. They're exercising. They're moving. But they have toxic thoughts. They have hateful thoughts for themselves. They have hateful thoughts for other people. And my, my, my friend and colleague, Dr. Will Cole, who would be a great, great guest on your show, 
he said, you cannot heal a body that you hate. And I would take it a step further. You cannot heal a body that has any hate. So I believe the body begins to heal the moment that you smile. When you put a smile on your face, the body begins to downregulate inflammation. And you know, some people might think this is a little woo-woo, like it's not scientific, but I encourage you to maybe test your glucose and ketones when you're in a normal state, and then go argue with somebody or watch the news, which is very negative, and then go test your glucose and ketones again and see what happens in the body. Because nothing external to us is going to help us or hurt us. It's really what's on the inside that counts. So we think about 60 to 80 thoughts per day. And 90% of those thoughts, Yogi, are the same thoughts from the day before, which are typically negative thoughts. And if you have negative thoughts, look, Dr. Bruce Lipton has shown that a negative, hateful thought creates inflammation around your cell membranes. It creates proteins and you become what you think about. Because in life, we don't get what we want. We get what we are and what we are are our thoughts. And that is the science behind it. If you want to go read or listen to The Biology of Belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton, that's the thought, that's the science behind what our thoughts do for us. So for me, it's been everything. And in the Keto Camp Academy, I talk about this all the time. On interviews, I talk about this all the time because it's the missing piece with any dietary philosophy you follow. It's having a structure of making sure you are aware of your thoughts. You have a gratitude practice. You're doing things to downregulate inflammation from the thought process. Well, you know, as you talk about going for the science approach and, uh, and and being rooted in science, I don't think this is woo at all because there's a lot of research. If, if we're going to go about science, it, science is the study of things that can be measured and rated and documented and to prove a theory. And when you see a person under stress, that physiological response can be measured, especially if that stress is chronic. And as you said, if, you, if you're filled with a lot of anger and hatred or fear, that's chronic stress on the body. So that's definitely a, a measurable, you could put a person in an MRI and, and other types of scans and see what's going on. And as you said, you could test blood glucose and, and, you, and, and insulin responses and cortisol and all that stuff goes on the rise when you're under that kind of stress because of negative output. So it's, right, brother. I think it's fantastic that you incorporate that because people get so focused on, on what they put in their mouth or how hard they hit the weights or the track, and they don't often think about that mental aspect. And that's one of the things that really caught me about your show and about your program. So I really appreciate that you're doing that. And what are some tips that you would give people uh, to get them out of that negative mindset? mind space to get them more positive and to help lower that uh, that stress and inflammation from a mental and emotional standpoint? Yeah, great question. Well, we need to do an audit on our, our environment. And this is a difficult, this, is, was a, this was a difficult thing for me to do over the years, but we become our environment, right? You hang around street dogs every single day, guess what? You're going to catch fleas. You hang around, the you hang out at the barbershop every single day, you're going to end up getting a haircut. <laughs> you hang around negative people who are eating unhealthy, non-keto foods or dirty keto foods, you're going to be the next person to do so. So there's a story about crabs in a bucket. And this is the analogy I'm going to give you. And then I'm going to give your audience an exercise to do that I did. It turns out you can put 20 crabs in a bucket 
without a lid on that bucket. You can leave that cra those crabs there overnight, come back the next morning, guess what? All 20 crabs will still be there. And you'll be thinking, why aren't they just escaping for freedom? Well, anytime a single crab tries to escape and break for freedom, the other crabs will claw at that crab and drag it back down, keeping it there. So who are the crabs in your life that are, that's holding you back? Uh, an exercise that I learned from two people, uh, Grant Cardone and Dean Graziosi, is identifying chargers versus drainers. There's two, only two types of people in our life, chargers versus drainers. When you are done having a conversation with somebody, ask yourself, are you charged up and inspired like I am with this conversation with Yogi? Or are you drained and a little stressed out, right? There are two types of people. That's it. So draw a line, uh, uh, grab a piece of paper and draw a line down the middle and then put everybody who's charging you up and everybody who's draining you on opposite sides and make an effort to spend more time with those who charge you up and less time with those who drain you. Do an audit on your environment and it's going to help you become more fulfilled and get the goals you want to accomplish. Something else is having a daily gratitude practice. I mean, I, I could show you notebook after notebook of just filled papers with me just writing down what I'm grateful for. I haven't missed a single night or a single morning in almost four years where I write down what I'm grateful for. Gratitude is a superpower that not many people are utilizing. The body will heal. What we think about and what we think about, we bring about. And that was what Dr. John D. Martini said. So we want to have a gratitude practice. We want to surround ourselves with people who are going to uplift us and inspire us. And just by doing those two things right there, you're just going to accelerate your keto results, your fasting results. I mean, whatever that you're doing will rise as a result of working on the foundations of success. That's awesome, man. Now, I want to kind of get into a little bit about nutrition um, because that's also a you know, cornerstone of, of what you do. and. First of all, though, I want to find out most people when they they go to a what they perceive as a healthy lifestyle, they're going to jump into calorie restriction. They're going to go vegan. They're going to go, I'm going to do the South Beach diet or slim fast or whatever. What brought you to keto and why was that? Why was that the choice that you stuck with? Yeah, I did. I did the vegan diet. I did it for a year and a half um, back in 2012, 2013. You know, the first few months were great. It felt better. Uh, and then I hit that vegan wall, but I was very dogmatic about it. Put myself in a box and I didn't really understand research, right? So I was duped by like the China study. Uh, and then eventually I said, enough is enough. I'm not feeling good. Let me go do some lab work. Lab work didn't look good. Uh, hormones were wonky. Uh, and then at this time is where I started to really get into Paul Check's work. Uh, Paul Check is a holistic, uh, the godfather of like holistic health. And I realized maybe this vegan approach is actually not benefiting me. It's doing the opposite. And, and then I actually got into some, some of like Jimmy Moore stuff, which we spoke about earlier. Um, I also got into Dr. Pompa, uh, Mercola, Dave Asprey, Ben Greenfield. I started to get, and they were talking about high fat, fasting, keto. And I started looking at the research and I thought, wow, this is interesting. I'm going to give this a shot. So in 2013, I went full on keto testing with the strips when it was like seven bucks a strip. And I, I, I felt great. I, I owned the CrossFit gym at that time and I, my performance was better. And I started to really 
feel like my brain turned on for the first time in a long time. And then I started to do fasting and that was like a game changer for my health. So along the way, so what, what I've been doing it and teaching it for seven years now, I've learned a lot of mistakes, a lot of things that I, I wouldn't do to this day. And then I learned a lot of things that I want to do more of. And I've seen a lot of people in the keto space, you know, not teach it from the lens that I come from. And that lens is from a cellular health standpoint. Okay. I'm not teaching you to lose weight, to get healthy. Uh, I'm teaching you the opposite, get healthy to lose weight. I'm teaching you how to help your hormones communicate to your cells. So you can not only live longer, but you start losing weight as a side effect of getting healthy. So a lot of, uh, it's unfortunate, a lot of keto educators get dogmatic and they don't teach it from that lens of health and longevity. So I've been doing it since 2013 and teaching it since then. And it's a very powerful tool in, in our health shed. Yeah, I think the, the danger in any kind of anything really is is dog being a dogma about it, you know, being that that blindsided that this is the way it is because this is what I believe, regardless of what facts are thrown at me. And it, it can become a real challenge, especially when you're trying to talk to people about whole real foods. You know, we constantly, Carrie and I are constantly working on telling people, look, being ketogenic is a metabolic state. It's not necessarily the food you put in your face. And, and these people, a lot of people will get very um, tunnel vision over this food's keto, this food's not. And they will, um, they will ignore certain nutrient benefits for certain foods because they believe the carb factor is too high, even though if it, that occasionally having that food could benefit them in some way. So, what is some of the things that you do in your practice that wouldn't be that typical dogmatic approach to keto or nutrition? Yeah, I love what you shared. I say the same thing. Keto is not a diet. It's a metabolic process, and it's been around since humans have existed. So if you're thinking it's going to go away because it's a fad, well, it's been around for 2.5 million years. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Born uh, so in, say it again? We're born in a ketogenic state. We are born in ketosis. Babies that are bre breastfed go in and out of ketosis because breast milk has saturated fat. Cholesterol helps the development of the brain. The body, it's, it's a more efficient fuel source. Every single one of our ancestors, they were in ketosis. So you're absolutely right. Um, what I teach is keto flexing. And, and I've actually been, it's been like weighing on my heart that I should write a book called Keto Flexing and, and teach exactly how, how I teach it. But I teach keto flexing, right? Uh, and this is primarily taking somebody who's a sugar burner, which we know is a dirty fuel source. Uh, we have 70 trillion cells in the body. They could only burn two sources of fuel, sugar or fat. When you're burning sugar, it creates a lot of cellular byproducts, creates a lot of cellular smoke. It's kind of like a, a truck or like perfect for you, a, a diesel truck with all the smoke coming out of the exhaust pipe, a big Mack truck with all the smoke coming out of the exhaust pipe. Now healthier not healthy for the environment, not healthy for your cellular environment. When you transition into clean keto, that's like a Tesla, cleaner for the environment, less smoke, no smoke, and better for your cellular environment. So we can only choose two sources of fuel. So you're thinking, all right, let's just burn ketones all the time. Well, that's not what our ancestors did. Uh, they didn't come across fruit and carbs and say, you know, to a tribe, a tribe leader say to their tribe members, we don't eat that, we're keto. That, that's not how, how it went. So our ancestors, they did keto, every single one of them, but they also didn't do keto long-term. In fact, there's not one diet that any of our ancestors stuck with long-term. 
not carnivore, not keto, not veganism. It was the variation. It's, there's more value in the change in the rotation of diets than there is in what we're changing to. Okay, we create adaptation when you start flexing in and out of ketosis. Uh, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, in my Keto Camp Academy, I teach keto, getting into ketosis, staying in ketosis, doing some carnivore. We're there for about three months where we're in ketosis, and then we start flexing. We have one or two days out of the week where we have high healthy carbs or high protein, depending if you're still insulin resistant, and we're actually getting more mTOR, this anabolic growth. We're getting an insulin spike, and this actually teaches the body to use glucose as a fuel source for a day. And this actually accelerates fat burning. It helps specific hormonal conversions. One of them being T4 inactive form of thyroid needs to be converted to active form T3. What makes that conversion? Well, the liver and insulin, right? So if you're chronically low insulin, if you're only burning fat for fuel, your body will, I've seen this, the body will slow down fat burning. So you get this dimply fat and then it actually could affect the thyroid. So that's what keto flexing is. It's, a, it's different than what a lot of keto practitioners do and teach, and I respect all of them out there, but I've seen it work wonders, especially for the females out there who are doing keto. Awesome. And now you talked about high healthy carbs. What would you consider a healthy carb? Because this yeah. is going to freak most people who are very dogmatic keto. So I got to ask this question. Yeah, totally, totally. So... <laughs> You know, this is where you can have your fruit. You know, you could have different tropical fruits and the fruits that you missed. You could have, uh, I know this might be crazy, but you could have some white rice, right? You could have some white rice. You could have some yam, some yuca, some sweet potatoes. The goal is to have about 100 to 200 grams total for the day on that flex day, that keto flex day. You have more protein. You have less fat on that day. And look, if you've done it the right way, you should be right back into ketosis the next 48 hours, maybe the next 24 hours. And that, my friends, is metabolic flexibility, keto flexibility, and that's true health. You actually will ramp up fat burning and you'll feel so much better when you do that versus staying in ketosis long-term. I've seen that personally. I've seen somebody who comes to me and they say, I've been keto for over a year. I've been a carnivore for over a year. I put them on a flex day, all of a sudden, it's that a flood work of results because it's the adaptation. When you think about the best fitness coaches and personal trainers out there, what do they do? What do they all have in common? They always change up the workout. They're keeping the body guessing. Same thing with keto and keto flexing. It keeps the body guessing. It creates adaptation where good cells, they get stronger and bad cells, they do not adapt. Now, there is this thing of biodiversity. Do you think with uh, the way different people's metabolic functions ha uh, work or possibly even like I, I, I'm working on making sure I don't get CTE from all the contact sports, working security that I used to be. Now, do you think with the, the biodiversity of an individual, do you think there are some individuals that will fare much better if they maintain a ketogenic state? I think so, yeah. There's always, there's always exceptions, right? I'm giving the general uh, rules to follow here, but there's always exceptions. And, and somebody might do better you know, a year or two or maybe several years in ketosis and they feel great. So there are exceptions there, but it's not the rule, uh, at least from, from what I've seen. When it comes to, uh, there was a, a point that I was going to make there. You were talking, yeah, so 
I'm looking at it from an evolutionary standpoint, right? When we look at our ancestors, they didn't stay with the same diet long-term. They always rotated. So for example, if you feel like a rock star on keto and you're like, ah, this guy, this Benazadi guy from keto camp, he sounds insane right now. I'm not going to get out of ketosis. I feel great. Great. Stick with it, right? But what you can do is rotate the keto foods that you're eating. Rotate the carnivore foods that you're eating where you're not just having the same avocado every single day and same eggs, but maybe you're having some organ meat now or some bison or some some wild game, but rotate the specific keto foods. That's also a form of adaptation that could get you some more results. Now, there's another factor that I've heard that could be very beneficial with adding um, occasional carbs back into the diet. And um, that's the restoration of muscle glycogen, allowing the body to relax for a moment, not have to restore it itself and lower stress. And uh, is that something that you've worked with or seen in yourself? Yeah, you know, just overall, Yogi, by doing the work and work building up the metabolic machinery, getting into ketosis, doing some intermittent fasting, maybe you throw in a block extended fast for more than three days. Once you build up the machinery, now you start incorporating these healthy carbohydrates. I've seen it help with the adrenals, right? With stress, to your point. I've seen it help with fat loss. I've seen it help with the ladies out there who get a monthly cycle. In, in fact, the way I teach it in the Keto Camp Academy is for all of my the females that are doing keto who have a monthly cycle, I actually teach them actually after they get keto adapted and they put in the work for a couple months to start cycling out of ketosis for five to seven days right before the monthly cycle because it actually the insulin could actually help with progesterone and estrogen to make it a better cycle. So there's always caveats. There's always things to kind of um, have awareness around. But yes, going back to your question, I have seen that. I have seen the carbs, the healthy carbs being introduced after doing the work help the adrenals, help the glycogen stores, help the body be more efficient at burning that instead of storing it as fat. It upregulates, once you do the work, it upregulates the GLUT4 transporter. What that does is it'll take the glucose spike from the carbs and instead of storing it as fat, put it into your muscle cells, your liver cells, burn it as fuel. But you got to do the work before you do that. So I have four pillars that I teach in my academy, which is the first pillar is keto adaptation. Second pillar is fast, so more fasting. The third pillar is phase, which I've actually made and turned into a carnivore pillar. And then the fourth pillar, you have earned the badge to do some keto flexing. So we do the work and then we actually have more flexibility. Now, we talked a little bit about dogma and there's, there's something that you have been bringing up on your podcast that probably gets a lot of people hot under the collar and that's your, uh, your approach to omega-3s and, and your take on omega-3s versus omega-6s is, is not generally the contemporary accepted uh, uh, thought process on, on those. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, and it's not necessarily um, anything against omega-3s. I think omega-3s are super important, but it's having the awareness that omega-6 is actually arguably more important because I mentioned the 70 trillion cells in the body. Every cell has a lipid bilayer called the cell membrane. Life begins and end at the cell membrane. It tells your DNA to turn on bad genes, turn off bad genes, it communicates to your mitochondria. We want a cell membrane that it's doing its job. 
the cell membrane is made up of 28 to 33% omega-6. Omega-6, mostly much more omega-6 than any omega-3 in the cell membrane. So we, I hear people, I was one of them myself who took high dose fish oil or even just any fish oil for years and years and years and I promoted it. We got to balance out this omega-6 to omega-3 ratio, take fish oil. And then all of a sudden I came across tons of research that showed fish oils actually do much more harm than good. And I immediately stopped taking it. I stopped promoting it. And I realized the importance of unadulterated omega-6 fats. The issue is these bastardized omega-6 fats that I agree are toxic. They're worse than sugar. They create cancer. They create heart disease. I'm not talking about those omega-6 fats. I'm talking about these undamaged omega-6 fats that you can get from quality um, like uh, uh, sunflower seed oils. Uh, there's other companies that have like these cold processed omega-6s, but it's very different, Yogi. A lot of people, um, they, they're not really teaching this. They're, they're, they're teaching the fish oil, the fish oil, the fish oil. We need omega-3. But what I've seen is that omega-6 is the king of the membrane. And if you could get the omega-6 right, the body will thrive. When we look at the human body, depending on what you're looking at, like the heart, the body fat, you know, on average, there's about a four to one ratio of omega-6 to omega-3. So we want four times more omega-6, quality omega-6 than we want omega-3. Now, most of the omega-6 that we talk about uh, that comes into the diet is is things from processed seed oils, is things that are uh, peanut oil, which is high in omega-6, which is actually a very unstable version of omega-6. And so you're talking about a healthy version of omega-6. And what are some of the sources? You've mentioned a few seed oils, but what are some more sources to get a healthier version of omega-6? Can you get that from like, let's say, uh, grass-fed, grass-finished, uh, naturally pastured animal products or yeah yeah you exactly you could get it from grass-fed grass-finished beef and lamb and you could find it in the animal products you could get it from from quality organic cold processed seed oils right these are not the vegetable oils that you were referring to i agree those are toxic so there's um cold if you could find a cold or a cold processed organic like sunflower oil safflower oil pumpkin seed oil, um, those are uh, non-damaged, healthy omega-6 fats, right? But it's hard to find those, right? I use a company called Andrea's Seed Oils, where they have these, they have a, this, this patented processing uh, where it keeps it preserved. I use a product called Pureform, which helps deliver healthy fats, omega-6, omega-3 from plant-based into the cells. But you could find it. And to answer your question, yes, you'll find a healthy omega-6 in grass-fed beef. It, one of the things that people really focus in on omega-3s about is because the level of inflammation most people are dealing with in daily life. And they perceive that the omega-3 is going to help them lower the inflammation. Now, would you, if, if a person is really inflamed, would you recommend that they would continue on a higher omega-3 uh, diet or what would you deal with in that in that situation yeah it's a good question you know it, it, of course it's unique to them and I, I would have to know more about their health history and what they're what they they look like on their labs and all that but yeah i mean your safe bet is to get it from naturally when it's naturally occurring in foods because it, it's already balanced out for you i mean mother nature god i believe in god has already 
to balance it all out for us. I, I believe we might have to fact check this, but I believe the exact ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 in grass-fed beef is four to one. And that's exactly the average of the body, right? So it's already going to naturally balance out for you. So get it from foods. And if I still think it's important to supplement with it or take it from the oils. But if you feel like you're just so omega-6 dominant, then you'll balance it out by eating the actual, finding it in naturally occurring foods. That's awesome, man. And it, it's definitely something for a lot of people to think about because the, you know, a lot of people end up going for the omega-3 supplements quite a bit and pounding them. They're also not necessarily getting a good source of omega-3 through these supplements because of the way they're processed that may damage these fragile oils. So um, leaning away toward nutrition yet, you, you really focus in on your, your, your podcast and your talks that you've done, in, not just on nutrition, and, and we talked about mindset, but you're big on the whole health uh, the, of, of the entire, fa every factor that comes into play of health. So what are some other factors that you focus on on, on Keto Camp besides, you know, your fitness, your your mental health ability. You said you're a spiritual person. Do you incorporate that into Keto Camp at all? I do, because when we look at health, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's a holistic approach. We want to we wanna work on the foundations of health. And, and that way, when we start adding supplements and we start doing keto and fasting, those add-ons make all the difference because we've built a solid foundation, right? So it's right there, sleep is one of them, right? Sleep is more important than diet and exercise combined, I believe. So if you are not getting quality sleep, you start right there. And then also the thoughts. We talked about the 60 to 80,000 thoughts, right? That's important. Having faith, you know, whether it's God that you have faith in or, or it's love or the universe, but having a higher purpose, having that goal, that ideal that I spoke about, that you're chasing, that you are, you, are, you are on your way to accomplishing that goal. All of that is healing, right? So if you do that, if you have the foundation and you're working on the foundations, then you start adding everything else, you're going to achieve the results you want with your health. So to answer your question, Yogi, yes, I talk about all this because these are components that lead to perfect health. My definition of perfect health is just functioning normal, the way that God designed us. God designed us to thrive, not to just survive. We're designed to live at least 120 years old, disease-free. So remove the interference and let the body do what it's designed to do. Part of, again, what you incorporate into your programs, you, and you talk a lot about on the Keto Camp, is, is fitness and doing different things from fitness. And I've heard you talk about different styles of fitness, everything from just getting out and moving, to doing weight training, to doing cardio. I've heard you talk about more than once how different forms of fitness routines can have different effects on, on your health. And for not maybe the reasons that people consider, like cardio may not be the best for losing weight, but it does these things. And weightlifting may not be the, you know, uh, maybe a better form of building up lean muscle mass and, and getting a better body fat percentage, but it also does this. So can you tell us a little bit about how you go about your fitness? And I imagine it's very similar to cycling in and out of a, a ketogenic state to back in the having that flex in there. But so tell me a little bit about how you coach people as far as fitness and working out goes. Yeah, I, I believe um, movement is more important than exercise. So first of all, 
move around, stand up, walk around, get those steps in. And then, yeah, we start working out. We start doing some fitness. Muscle is a longevity organ. It's probably the ultimate longevity organ. So it's important to build lean muscle mass. Like I'm not saying to you know, become a bodybuilder, but I'm saying we want to build muscle because you'll have more flexibility, by the way, with carbohydrates, the more muscle you have. It'll absorb some of those calories. So muscle is great. Now, the, the movements to focus on are the, the movements that are going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. Uh, so I'm not talking about bicep curls and leg extensions and these aesthetic aesthetic movements those are those are fine if you that's your goal aesthetic goals only i'm talking about multi-joint movements so squats and push-ups and lunges and planks and movements that recruit multiple joints at the same time primal movements right so you you would start slow and steady and build from that right and, and i love cardio i think cardio is great but cardio is something that you could add to the end of a fitness workout but start with movement then get in some burst training. If you have high blood sugars, if you're diabetic or pre-diabetic, one of the best ways to reduce the blood sugars is to burn off the sugar by doing burst training, burpees and sprinting and get the heart rate up, let it come back down. Get the heart rate up, let it come back down. Does not mean you spend an hour at the gym. Less is more. As somebody who used to own a CrossFit gym, I can tell you that most people at the gym that I used to own did too much. I used to send people home, I used to tell them, do this is a stretch day for you. So less is more, all right? If you got into the habits of doing, let's say, five workouts per week, maybe 15 to 20 minutes each workout, but you're bringing the intensity and you're building off of each workout, that's enough to get you an amazing result right there. Yeah, I was recently uh, listening to a man, and I, I can't remember his name, but he, I was listening to him on a podcast. He talks about primal movement. And he said, one of the best forms of exercise you can have is something you're having fun with and moving at the same time, because it fits both getting fit and it helps your mood and your psychology and everything. And I imagine that's something that you're big into as well. That's exactly right. I love that advice. Basketball, uh, hiking, walking your dog. I walk my dog all the time. Yeah. Find things you enjoy doing where it doesn't feel like exercise, but it is exercise. As far as, as total health goes, you know, we, we talk about, again, all the things that are the common things, but what is something that's uncommon that people don't talk about that you like to bring up or get people to focus more on that, that people don't generally consider as part of a healthy routine? Uh, so many things I could talk about. I already touched upon the thoughts, so I'm not going to mention that again. I, I talked about sleep. You know, sleep is, is very much, too many people sleep on sleep. It's underrated. And I tell you what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use sleep because if you just committed to getting an extra hour of sleep each night, watch what it does for your glucose and ketone numbers. Watch what it does for your fat loss. Watch what it does for your energy levels because that's when your body repairs and recovers. We have recover. We have four different stages of sleep that we go through. Uh, they're all important. Stage three is that REM sleep, rapid eye movement, where you're actually processing memory and you're, it's helping with your brain function. Stage four is where most of your fat burning takes place, delta sleep. So we want ideally about four to, we want to go through four to five cycles of these sleep cycles every single night. A sleep cycle is about 90 minutes where we're going through different stages. Also, stage four sleep is where your brain actually shrinks in size. 
and you have this, this fluid, the glymphatic system, this fluid that goes over your brain and flushes out toxins. So your body repairs, it recovers, it builds muscle, it burns fat. And if you're waking up early and sacrificing sleep to go work out, you're doing it backwards. Instead of doing that, just get an extra hour of sleep. Watch what it does for your, your, your uh, stress. Watch what it does for your resilience. Watch what it does for your fat loss. So I'd love for more people to talk about sleep. Um, the thing about sleep is that it's not sexy. <laughs> it's free. So you can't really sell it in a pill or a supplement, but it's one of the most powerful tools that we have. Yeah, I, you know, and I couldn't agree with you more. When I, when I was doing the trucking, that's one of the things in the trucking industry that absolutely sucks as far as the lifestyle goes is sleep. It, we generally do not have consistent schedules, especially if you're an OTR driver like I was. One day you're awake during the day driving. The next day you're this. You're stuck here, so you sleep when you can. You get workout when you can. So things can get a little out of whack. And I noticed that when I got off the truck, I had lost a bunch of weight on the truck and kind of plateaued to be around 360, 370. And when I got off the truck and was able to get some sleep at normal times and get a sleep you know, pattern going, I dropped a bunch more weight and got down to 305 and still working on it, you know, and, but it's definitely, it, it is definitely the uh, the redheaded stepchild when it comes to the fitness and health and and fat loss because people just don't think about it. Totally. And and there's so many factors that disrupt sleep these days. And so, what is a good sleep hygiene practice, a pattern to get into that will will help you get that higher quality sleep, those five stages, the REM, get, get the healing process going. What do you recommend for that? Yeah, well, studies show a cold bedroom. Uh, I wrote a book called The Power of Sleep, and I, I talk a lot about this. 62 to 67 degrees Fahrenheit is where the studies show you get really good, deep, restorative sleep. So make that bedroom cold, make it as dark as possible. If you don't have blackout curtains, you could get uh, a blackout mask. I use one called Manta. Uh, by the way, I have a sleep kit that I put together all the things that I use for my sleep hygiene over at ketocampkit.com if you want to throw that into the uh, notes. Um, having some sort of routine that's unique to you. Uh, so you're not, we don't want to get stimulated at night. We don't want to get the heart rate up. So don't watch the news, CNN, constant negative news. <laughs> don't watch the news. Uh, stay away from things that are stimulating your heart rate. Uh, I wear blue light blocking glasses so my body can start producing melatonin and less cortisol, uh, having maybe some sleepy time tea like chamomile uh, or uh, reishi mushroom or some sort of bedtime tea. That could help. CBD oil I use uh, from time to time. Uh, I have a gratitude journal. I have a, my goals journal, so I do that. And I'm very intentional with not stimulating myself with social media late at night. So find a routine that works for you. And then one more tip is uh, a warm to hot shower about an hour before your intended bedtime. When you hop out of the shower, your body is going to walk into that cold bedroom now that you change the thermostat and your body is going to cool itself down. That cooling effect is also a common, a calming effect. So those are some very practical tips for your audience. Start doing that tonight. Yeah, I, I found with along with the hot shower, magnesium, hot magnesium soak like Epsom salts or magnesium flake is also great for that. Yeah, great and addition. Then, yeah. So... Uh, another thing that you talk regularly about, and, and I know you are a big fan of Dr. Jason Fung, is the effects of fasting. And 
about every culture on the planet has a religion or whatnot, has some sort of fasting built into their practices. And so there's something innate that we knew that there was benefits to this going way back. And now we know more about it and the science of it. So can you tell us a little bit about fasting and how you incorporate it into your program at, at Keto Camp? Yeah, fa fasting is actually my favorite topic and tool to speak about, even more than keto, <laughs> believe it or not. Well, I shouldn't say that. Actually, mindset is my number one. And then number two, shortly thereafter, is fasting. Uh, Dr. Fung is brilliant. He's been on the Keto Camp podcast. He's coming back in September to talk about his book, uh, Cancer Code. Um, yeah, when you look at animals, what do they do when they get sick? They don't eat. <laughs> they know innately that eating food doesn't make sense. Their body needs to recover. When we get the flu, when we get sick, we don't want to eat. We're not, we don't have an appetite because our body wants to actually heal and recover it. We know through Dr. Fung's research and others that it takes massive amounts of energy and resources to digest food, to take the food from macronutrients and assimilate, assimilate it to micronutrients. It takes a lot of blood flow. It takes a lot of energy, right? Food does not give us energy. It does the complete opposite. Nobody eats a big meal on Thanksgiving and says, I'm ready to go get some work done. And that doesn't happen. And they do the opposite. They say, I'm ready to go sit on the couch and have and be in a food coma. So when we don't eat food, now we have all this energy, all the resources, all the blood flow being directed towards the task at hand, whether it's a podcast interview like I'm doing right now, or it's a phone call with your mom, a FaceTime with your mom, a Facebook Live, I mean, whatever it is, you're, you have the energy and the resources for that instead of the food that you're processing. So that right there, we know that the body starts to recycle and repair damaged cells via autophagy and apoptosis. The body is so stinking smart that when you're not giving yourself food energy, it needs to go find energy from somewhere. So think of Pac-Man going within your cells and start, starts to clean out your cells and if, if your body determines that a cell is this senescent cell, it's a zombie cell, there's no function, which can lead to a cancerous cell and duplicate leading to cancer growth. The body will actually send a signal. Uh, it'll it'll uh, signal, signal apoptosis, which is programmed cell death, and then send a signal for a healthier cell called a stem cell, a new cell. This is all happening in the body when we're not eating food. We're not spending money. It's a free tool. So I love fasting because not only does it help me become more productive as an entrepreneur, it'll help with fat loss. It'll help with uh, longevity, with autophagy. Uh, it'll help repair the gut because you stress the gut. You reset the gut. It'll help turn on good genes and turn off bad genes. So the list is endless. And if you do it the right way and you get a, a good balance of feasting and fasting, the body will heal. You'll live a longer, healthier life. And that's the way we were designed to be. We were designed for feast famine cycles. My mentor, Dr. Pampa, talks about that all the time. Our cells are designed this way. We're hardwired this way. And when we practice feasting and fasting, the body begins to heal. Now, there's different forms of fasting that you practice that I see you through, through social media. And also you talk about, again, on your show, um, there's... There's everything from wet fasting to uh, dry fasting to fat fasting, protein sparing fasting. There's so many different avenues. How does a person know what would be a good route for them and, and how, like, how would they decide what way to go with fasting? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, good question. I, I think for most people, they would get a lot of benefits from an 18-6 schedule. So that means 18 hours out of the day you're fasted. I, ideally, you just want to have water and some sea salt. And then six hours is your eating window where you have two big meals, um, eating until full, eating plenty of protein. Uh, that works well. And you know, if you want to throw in a 24-hour water fast once per week, that works as well. You know, It really depends on how much body fat you have, what is your health history. If you have a lot of body fat, you have more room to work with, meaning you can do more 24-hour fasts, you can do more extended fasts, your body will tap into your fat stores for energy. I recently just did, two days ago, uh, my first 24-hour dry fast where uh, I didn't have any water, I didn't have any food, uh, I didn't have any supplements. I just forced my body into this stress, which it is a stress. Fasting is a stressor, but it's a good stress. And like I said earlier, good cells get stronger, bad cells don't adapt. So I had a mild headache. Uh, I felt I felt thirsty, of course, but now my body is more resilient and stronger as a result. So there's many different ways to practice fasting, but to answer your question, an 18-6 would be ideal for most people. Yeah, and, and the dry fasting is something that's practiced in Islam every time there's Ramadan. And they're, they're not allowed to break that fast until the sun goes down, and they practice a dry fast, no food, no water. And you would imagine that in the heat of the Middle East, when people are going on the Hajj, that they, you know, there'd be people dropping everywhere because of dehydration, but that's not the case. They've adapted to it after so many years. And they've seen, obviously there's there's been some benefits there or most likely people would have stopped doing it. Exactly, my mom, my mom, uh, she's Muslim. So she practices Ramadan every year. And it's funny because when I was younger and I didn't even really understand fasting and what the heck was autophagy, I used to always tell her, mom, this is not healthy. What are you doing? Like you're hurting yourself now. I'm like, Good job, Mom. I'm so proud of you. You get that autophagy. It's such a 180 from when I was younger. Yeah, in the dry fasting, I've I've read too that it actually can accelerate the the um, the autophagy and and make you get into autophagic state faster. Yeah. So in general, what I've seen is um, three times the autophagy when you do a dry fast versus a water fast, meaning you could get higher ketones and lower glucose, and um, so essentially. A 24-hour dry fast could be equivalent to a three-day water fast in terms of fat loss and autophagy. So uh, this is hypothetical. You know, I've seen it in some people, but it's interesting. Now, not everybody should be fasting, obviously. And so what are some things that, uh, what are some conditions a person might be experiencing that you would say, fasting is not right for you? Don't do it. Yeah, well, I think it's important to understand that fasting is a muscle that you want to develop over time. I, 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 my first pillar in the academy, the Keto Camp Academy, is the ADAPT pillar. So getting keto adapted, getting fat adapted, teaching your body to utilize fat, and then we pair fasting. So if you go into it too soon, if you're a sugar burner and you hear about the benefits of fasting, maybe you watched a video from Dr. Fung and you're like, I'm going to give it a shot tomorrow, it's going to look ugly. You, you wouldn't be a couch potato for 10 years and then go do CrossFit the next day. It's going to look ugly. So there's some work you want to put into it, right? So if you skip a meal and you feel like crap, you're hangry, you're irritable, you have intense cravings and low blood sugar, low energy levels, you got to put in a little bit of some work before you go into the fast. So yeah, uh, once you put in the work and you're keto adapted, then you can start experimenting with different fasting schedules to see how you feel. There is no such thing as a failed fast. 
uh, every fast has its benefits. It's a learning experience and you build from it, but think of it as a muscle that you develop over time. And it really starts with getting keto adapted and then adding on the fasting. At least that's the way I teach it. And I see more results doing it that way. Yeah. I've often heard that people say, you know, if you're, if you're already lean, you know, if you, especially if you're underweight, you're pregnant, if you're under a certain age that maybe fasting is not right for you and unless you develop it or shorter fast. Now, one of the things that, that, that throws a lot of people off and I'm a member of a lot of uh, keto uh, groups and many of them practice fasting is, and it's a common question people get is they are so worried about getting the proper caloric intake after a fast to make sure that they have that fee section. And they, they'll commonly say, I, I don't, I haven't consumed enough calories. I can't take them in. Um, what, what should a refeed look like? And, and how many calories should a person target before they go into another fast? Well, the calorie thing, I, I don't really, I don't teach how many calories they should target. I, I don't really focus on calories. I do think calories matter, but they're not important. They're more of a distraction. So that's where the keto flex day comes into play, right? If you threw in one to two days per week where you're having high healthy carbs, no fasting, or just keto with no fasting, that's a way to get in those three meals. Uh, you know, to answer your question, how do you know if you're eating too little? I do see it a lot, by the way. You want to make sure you're eating at least one meal every single day until full. And you're having at least 30 to 50 grams of protein at that meal. You want to make sure if you're having difficulty getting in your calories, because you want to have it, you know what you should have, but you're having difficulty getting in the calories. This is where having more fats, uh, because fats have more calories per gram than protein does. Uh, and also like smoothies are an easy way to, they're already like kind of pre-digested for you. So more smoothies, keto smoothies, but we want to make sure you're having one meal per day until full. That should be a, you know, a, a effort, a goal for you to accomplish and then get in those keto flex days. That'll ensure that your body does not get into uh, this calorie deficit for too long. But the cool thing about fasting is it's different when you're cutting calories with fasting versus cutting calories by eating small portion control meals throughout the day. The difference is counter-regulatory hormones. You get the benefit of your body raising these counter-regulatory hormones. These are hormones that run counter to insulin you get the benefit of your body raising these hormones and keeping your metabolism up or preserving it um, when you fast versus eating small portion control meals throughout the day. Because when you have small meals throughout the day, you're raising insulin and you don't get that benefit. So it'll actually help with your metabolism. It won't shut down your metabolism. But if you do too much fasting, you're getting too much autophagy, then it could become a problem, right? So to balance that out, you have one meal until full and you practice the keto flex days. So um, I, I like to usually, before we do all the, uh, the sign-offs and contacts and information, I like to usually do a few questions that are uh, more quick answer type questions just for some common um, information out there to get to know you a little bit better. And uh, I usually pick about five questions from my bank. And so my first question is going to be, who are your five health heroes? Dr. Daniel Pompa who is my mentor and coach. I believe he's the most brilliant person in the health space. Uh, I'm a little biased, of course, but that's my belief. Uh, Dr. Jason Fung, of course. I've learned so much from him over the years. Uh, incredible resource, amazing man. And I would, you know, Megan Ramos with him. Uh, that'll still be one. Uh, 
Ben Greenfield is a great, has been a great inspiration to me over the years. Uh, Dave Asprey has been a great inspiration to me over the years. And then the last, I'm going to group them all into the last one. Uh, I work with a team of about 50 doctors and health coaches and practitioners. We're called the uh, eight Health Centers of the Future Platinum Group. And, you know, they're all inspiring to me. So uh, I learned so much from them. We lift each other up and we're on a mission to educate and inspire the room, uh, the world, excuse me. So those are my, my top five right there. Now, aside from Keto Camp, which we know is a great place to go for any beginner who's wanting to learn how to properly do keto, because there, there is improper ways. But what are some, what are three good resources for a beginner to pick up and look at and, and to help get them kickstarted into a, uh, a keto uh, lifestyle or, or just a general health lifestyle? It doesn't have to be keto. It doesn't have to be keto, but just something to get people onto a better health lifestyle. What would you recommend? To them? Yeah, you know, this goes back to my, my top five. I mean, listening, everybody I mentioned has a podcast, right? So Dr. Pompa has the Cellular Healing TV podcast. That would be a great YouTube channel and, and podcast to listen to. I would recommend turning your, your car into a uh, education mobile, right? If you're driving to work or you're driving a lot, play podcasts like this one that I'm on right now. I mean, you, you listen to your truck almost all the time. You were getting an education, yes. right? Audiobooks and podcasts were my friend, my friend. So <laughs> exactly. yeah, I, I, I love them. So that's a great way to take advantage of the fact that you're going to be sitting in a car and, you know, traffic means more education, right? So do that and then um, find podcasts, find audiobooks, maybe invest in a, in a health coach, invest in somebody who has a fruit on their tree, the keto fruit on their tree, and they have the results that you want. They have clients who have the results that you want and you resonate with them you know you, you take decades and you turn decades into days when you pay somebody to teach you what they know so those are my three things uh dr pompa cellular healing tv podcast and youtube channel turn your car into an education mobile and then hire a, a coach now if somebody's not feeling very good about themselves and you, you could see that what would you tell this person that's not feeling to help uplift them, to help get them to a healthier mindset? Reasons before results. You, you know, get clear on your why. Purpose outweighs anything else. Um, and then understand that whenever you have a challenge, whenever you have a negative thought, whenever you have some sort of self-limiting belief, and believe me, we all have them. I have them myself. It has nothing to do with who you are. It has nothing to do with your potential and everything you're going to do in this world. It has everything to do with your conditioning, you know, your upbringing, your past relationships and experiences. So surround yourself with people who are going to uplift you, do the work of getting clear on your highest values, and just keep getting 1% better each day. It's, you're just pushing that boulder up the mountain. You're just having better thoughts today than you had yesterday. Eventually, you're going to reach the top, and that boulder is going to be going down fast. You're going to have momentum. So just work on getting 1% better each day. What are three foods that you think absolutely everybody should avoid? Avoid? I thought you were going to say have. I was, I was ready to go, Rock. You might ask me that next, so I'll, I'll hold that back. But um, avoid. Oh, well, those to toxic vegetable oils. I mean, this is kind of rapid fire. So canola, soy, soybean uh, cottonseed, peanut oil, any of these industrial seed oils, avoid that. Number one, uh, number two is going to be, um, you know, I'll, I'll lump the trans fats and the margarine in that. So that won't be a different answer. Number two is going to be excessive processed sugar. 
sugar is going to light up that brain that, that wants you to have these cravings similar to a cocaine addiction. So processed sugar. And then three is going to be these artificial sweeteners like sucralose and aspartame that are in a lot of keto products that wreck your gut. These are, these are neurotoxins. So those are my three right there. Yeah. And a lot of evidence shows that aspartame passes the blood brain barrier and, uh, and, is associated with a lot of uh, symptoms that are very similar to dementia. Mm, yep. So, yeah, I, I terrible. Yeah. You know, we shouldn't really be eating oil products, like, you know, like, like as, as far as like petroleum products. Right. So, but um, and so the the fifth question is, um, and I, I kind of covered it. So I'm actually going to change it up because we kind of covered it already. But I was going to ask you a, a mindset question, but. Um, I'm going to kind of make a, another one on the fly and we'll go back to, uh, you know, do the opposite of the last questions. What are three foods that you think absolutely everybody should include in their diet? Grass fed and grass finished beef or lamb, um, organ meats. I, I don't like the organ meats, like, uh, in terms of the taste of it, but liver is mother nature's multivitamin. So either eat liver or get it in a supplement. I supplement with it. And then, I got a few. I got a few recipes for it because I couldn't handle it, and uh, oh, we came up share. with a couple recipes. Yeah, yeah, we we got a uh, bacon and liver pate, which is really nice, and then we just came out with two burgers that have liver incorporated, and one is called the uh, Power Porky Burger, dry chili burger, and then the other one is the uh, Super Mother Clucker. <laughs> That's a great name. Share the recipe with me. I want to try it. They're right online, brother. We got you. Just go to carrybrown.com. Awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Liver is great for you. I just don't like the taste. So that's a great thing to do. Um, and then, uh, I would say first harvest olive oil. Mm. So it's, there's a difference between first harvest, cold processed organic olive oil and the olive oil that's sold out there. So this is so healing. It's loaded with antioxidants and polyphenols. So a real first harvest olive oil, I'm going to add into the mix here. Yeah, it's one thing I miss about living in California. Where I was in uh, nearby Escondido, and there was this old Italian guy that had a um, olive. He had a wine orchard, and then olives grew there. And you used to go there with your jug, and he'd be like, "Oh, what kind of olives do you want in your oil?" And he'd just pull off the olives and press it right there. It's definitely a difference in taste and texture. And totally. I heard you talk about the fuzziness and the the burning and the bite and the flavor is so much brighter. But the um, the the health effects on it is just incredible. Yeah, and it tastes delicious. I'll just take a shot of it here and there, and yeah. I love it. Yeah. And, I mean, as far as cultural food go, too, olive oil is huge in the Middle East and Mediterranean-style diets and things, and there's a reason why so many people come out of there that are – I mean, you see in the Middle East, people are chain smokers, but they, they eat healthy foods, and they're, they're even though they're chain smokers, they're prone to less heart disease and, and obesity and things than Americans are. Yeah, and they have community and they walk a lot. So yeah, there's a lot of yeah. factors there and they have those all yeah. over Yep. All right, man. So where, if people want to be a part of Keto Camp, they want you to be their coach, they want to be part of your programs, how do they find you? Well, if you want me to coach you and you want structure on A to Z Keto, um, I believe it's the most comprehensive health coaching program that you could find online, then my Keto Camp Academy is where you could find me and hire me to coach you. We do two group coaching calls a month. There's over 200 videos in the academy that you cannot find anywhere else. It's all structured for you. And you could learn more about that over at ketocampacademy.com. 
Remember, it's camp with the K. Um, so that's if you want coaching from me. If you want to just check out more of my videos and my podcast, the Keto Camp podcast is where you could listen to more uh, episodes. And then the Keto Camp YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash Keto Camp, Camp with the K. Awesome. And also, if you get a chance to see one of Ben's public speaking events, he does those quite regularly when there isn't an apocalypse. Um, definitely get out because it could be a pretty powerful talk. I've seen a few of them, uh, snippets of a few of them online, and they're pretty awesome. Oh, that's awesome. All right, All right everybody. We're going to go ahead and sign off. I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you for joining us on the Fatty Joe Show. Be sure to leave a comment and subscribe. It helps the show reach more people. To support the show, as well as Carrie Brown and Yogi's work on the blog, Keto Recipe Development, Masterclasses, and to gain access to private Facebook groups and other awards, go to patreon.com slash Show or patreon.com slash Brown. Also, check out our Carrie Brown and Yogi Parker YouTube channel for video versions of the Fatty Joe Show, recipe videos, and more. Join our awesome community on the Facebook group, The Keto Kitchen with Carrie Brown and Yogi Parker. And check out our CarrieBrown.com website for recipes, blog posts, discounts, cookbooks, masterclasses, and other great stuff. Thank you so much.